Hello and welcome into Jam Session. Glad to have whoever you are listening to us. Jam Session is Matt McLaren and Jean-Jacques Taylor. We're two guys who used to do a radio show on ESPN Radio in Dallas, Texas. We now do this podcast. We talk a lot about the Dallas Cowboys, other Dallas sports teams, and just our interests in Dallas, nightlife, stories, beer, all kinds of things. Glad to have you. Thanks for listening. Let's get going. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review, hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored as always by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm right there in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, Doc? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren, and this is Jam Session, the podcast version 357, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. We will do our best to dazzle and entertain you throughout the course of this version of the podcast. A lot to discuss. The Cowboys, some of you might have heard. Some of you would have heard that. Man, I think we probably talked about that in the middle of last season. Zero surprise. <laughs> If you listen to the Jam Session podcast, the news of Zeke Elliott could not possibly have surprised you. So we got to dive into that. Some other things from around the NFL and around college basketball as well with March Madness officially underway. But if you've had some madness in your life, and it's always so unexpected. You get in that car wreck, somebody plows through a red light, smashes into you, 18-wheelers not paying attention, runs over you. You're standing in line. I think I've talked about this a a long time ago. I was at a place once in Dallas, standing in line waiting to order a beer when something fell off the the ceiling and landed on the head of the person, two people in front of me. You just never know. Stuff, it's so random. That's why you need Greening Law. You need Robert Greening and his green team because they work with situations like this because the hoops that you jump through and the different types of things that you have to go through for rehabilitation mentally and physically, you need somebody like Robert Greening and the green team guiding you through this because this is what they're experts at working with these insurance companies to help you get better and take care of the things that need taken care of in a financial sense. No, I mean, that's what it's all about, man. Whenever you're going up against those big insurance companies, it's always a matter of who's got the better, um, you know, who's got the better team behind them? And so why wouldn't you want to rock with the green team, their history of success and uh, the, what they've done with, with other clients? And what you do is if you're involved in an accident or something like that, and it doesn't matter if it's at a business, if it's at an apartment complex, you know, wherever, if it's not your house, what you need to do as soon as it happens is pick up the phone and dial the green team over there, 972-934-8900, and let them walk you through the process and hope like heck. They bring you on the client because if they do, man, what the work that they do, Matt has told you, is incredible. That's exactly right. And and that's the whole story. Again, it's it's a free consultation, and that's one of the best parts about it. You may not be sure if you have a case, and, and they'll help you to understand if you do or not why or why not. 
So give them a call and take advantage of that free consultation. 972-934-8900. 972-934-8900. It's Robert Greening. Call him now. Offices, Dallas, Texas. So Zeke Elliott, and again, I mean, you and I had talked about this throughout the course of the season, knowing what was happening. It was obvious that things were going to probably be a little different. And the reality of it came to fruition yesterday when the Cowboys made it known that they have released Ezekiel Elliott seven years as a Dallas Cowboy. He will walk away from the Cowboys as their third all-time leading rusher. He walks away behind, of course, only Emmett Smith and Tony Dorsett had more rushing yards as a Dallas Cowboy than Zeke Elliott did. And, you know, you look at his career in those seven years, 8,262 yards, 68 rushing touchdowns, and a guy that is the 43rd leading rusher of all time, which is crazy to think about because we always look at Zeke and go, ah, he hadn't done anything the last couple of years, and he's still, you know, he's still top 45 running back in the history of the NFL. Okay, uh, I'm going to take it a step further. So how would you, in one word, describe Zeke's career? See, I, I don't know. That's a very good question. I was trying to figure I that know, out that's today. What, that's why I asked. I don't know how you would describe it. Uh, you know what? My, my, this word just popped into my mind, and I feel like this is unfair, yeah. but underwhelming. That's, that's not a bad word. That's a, that's a good word, I think. Because uh, I, uh, you know, the reason I asked you is I've been, I've been trying to come up with a word, and because I said one word, because I don't want you to put in context, right? Just one word. Mm-hmm. Underwhelming is a that's a pretty good word, and I'm still searching for the word. See, I put you on the spot, and you came up with a word too fast. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, you know, um, the word, you know, man, if I had to describe it with one word. I think I'm going to go with grinder. Okay. But the problem is, and here's the problem. I see Matt says lackluster. I say grinder. Here's the problem. I really thought, based off of uh, his production at Ohio State, where he was drafted, mm-hmm. his production his first couple years at, at uh, with the Cowboys, that he was destined for a Hall of Fame career. Yeah, he seemed that way. And the reality is, He's not going to get anywhere close to the Hall of Fame. He's going to be a pretty – and see, this is to me why it's such a hard thing to define. We're talking about a dude whose career ends in Dallas, and the only two guys who had more yards than him in this storied franchise are two Hall of Famers who are synonymous with the great running backs in the National Football League. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not like uh, – he, you know, but this is what happens when you're in the Cowboys. And so I didn't want to say disappointment, but – his reign was not as long as I thought it was going to be. And it was not as spectacular as I thought it was going to be. And that's why I said underwhelming because it's it, it, It's everything that you were just talking about as coming into the league, the number four overall pick, 1631 to lead the NFL as a rookie. If he doesn't get that weird suspension in year two, he, he would have left. He would have led the NFL, led the NFL in year three. All three of those years, he led the NFL in yards a game. He had 5.1 an attempt his rookie year, 4.1 year two, 4.7 year three. And you're sitting here going, after three years, you go, okay, this dude just finished his age 23 season. This guy is about to 
you know, can he navigate these next four years to get through 27? Because he is on the path that Hall of Famers are on a path of. Yeah, man, but he couldn't get there. It always seems to me, and I'd be interested to hear what y'all think, that that suspension, man, just took something out of his career. Even though he came back and had another great year after that, it just seemed like that suspension just just messed with, with the, uh, I don't know, man. Something about it seems odd about his, his time here. Like it was just like his heart was stopped and then he was brought back to life. I don't know. He just, uh, and I think the other thing is because of the suspension, it didn't seem like those three great years were three great years together. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. No, I, I think you're exactly right because he didn't crack a thousand yards that year. He was 17 years shy. If he had played 16 games, he would have cracked 1,500. And, and that's what I'm saying. So if you start your career with 1,600, 1,500, 1,400, it's like you have that momentum going. Yeah. I don't know. And then, I mean, even in year four, the dude had 1,357. But it wasn't the same. It, it, I mean, four and a half yards an attempt. He dropped down 10 yards a game, down to 85. And then the last three yards, as w- the last three years, I should say, as we know, have been, you know, that's where the underwhelming part came from because it felt like, okay, Maybe the suspension didn't screw with them because 14 plus led the NFL, 1357, still a pro bowler, still one of the best backs in the game. And then from there, the last three years, he just fell off in a way. No, none of us expected that. None of us thought after the first four years of Zeke that we would have been stuck with what we got the last three years. No, because remember a year and a half ago, he started the season on fire. Yeah. And we're like, oh, shit, they got they got old Zeke back. You know, he put that 100 yards, uh, what do you have, like 200-yard games in the first four, uh, went over 100 against the Giants, and then had a pretty good, had a big run against Carolina, but he got hurt in that game, and he just fell off a cliff after that. He did, man, and, and it was just, you know, for whatever reason, he was just never the same. Oh, it, I, go ahead. I think it's, um, dude, like, here's what, this to me is um, the interesting part of the NFL. Zeke had a ton of 50, 60, 70, 80-yard touchdown runs at Ohio State. He ran a good time at Combine. But then he got to the league, and after his rookie year, he didn't really have these long runs. And so it made me, th- it made me wonder if just, you know, the players in the league are so good that once you lose just a tick, they just catch up to you. <laughs> and the thing, because if, now that everybody's putting out these – short videos about his best TD runs or his best runs. You can see the speed and acceleration he had his first couple years because all those plays are from his first couple years. They're not from the last two or three years. No. And so, dude, it's, uh, uh, you know, let me ask you this. It kind of reminds me of Dez. Yeah, I kind of had the same thought. Tremendous career. For a short period of time, clearly one of the best in the game. And then you get a couple injuries, and it's, it's a wrap. Yeah, man, and it, it's, it's just really, really wild because, and, and I was just looking at this because you brought up that season a couple of years ago, and that was it. I mean, that's the last time we saw what we all thought of when we thought of Zeke Elliott. 143 yards against Carolina. The very next week, 110 against the Giants. And that right there, that Giants game, 
was the last, the last time that he broke 100 yards for the Dallas Cowboys. So check this out. That's what we were talking about, man. So the first five games of last season, 85 carries, 452 yards, five touchdowns. That's eight. That's 5.3 a carry. And so you, there's nothing that says that the first five games of last season that, you're, that he's going to fall off a cliff. And that's why, like, again, I don't think this is breaking news. That, to me, is why you look at injuries and say that's what, that's what got him. And because the injuries to the knee back-to-back years. And my whole point was he was never a fast guy, super fast guy. And so whatever speed he had, he lost with those knee things, and it made him a grinder and a, and a short yardage guy, blah, 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 because he got a lot of toughness to him. But it took away his ability even to get to the second level mm-hmm. or turn the corner on those sweeps or stretch plays. And, you know, so think about it. We just told you the first five games of last season, Zeke is averaging about 90 yards a game, 5.3 a carry. Since that game, and remember, he got hurt against Carolina. Um, since that game, man, it's been 27 games. 1,400 yards, 3.7 to carry, 17 touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Basically, yeah, whatever, just a guy. Yeah. And it's wild because you look at that, his first three years, 19 times he had a 100-yard rushing game in his first three seasons. Yeah. His last three seasons, four. Bro, Yeah. Yeah, and uh, those four came in what, like a 10-game stretch? Yeah, because he had in, in 2020 in. against Minnesota, 103, Philadelphia yeah. in 2020, 105, and then the two, the very beginning of the season we were just talking about. Right, because Minnesota happened right before the game, right before Thanksgiving, and then the second to the last game of the season against Philly. So, yeah, it was in a, uh, about a 10-game stretch, and that was it. I mean, it was a precipitous fall. And I hate to say that, man, because uh, he's a good dude. And he had a stretch of greatness with the Cowboys. That's why I say it reminded me of Dez, who was two years. He was a solid player. Then he had a three-year stretch of just dominance. And then he was gone a couple years after that. Yeah, and it'll be really interesting to see where he goes from here. I have seen some, and again, these are rumors, Twitter rumors. And and I kind of wonder, I mean, I think it'd be great if Zeke went somewhere and could find a little something and, and, and could hold on. And I mean, again, we're talking about a dude who still had over 800 yards rushing last year for the Cowboys. You know, if he could do that for two more seasons, there's a chance that he might crack 10,000 in his career, which only 31 running backs in the history of the game have done. I just don't know. I mean, based on everything we've seen, I don't know what he's got left. And granted, he's been dealing with injuries, but isn't that part of all the stuff that they put him through and, and running him into the ground? You know, and then you wonder, okay, well, where are you going to go? How much of an opportunity are you going to get? You see, apparently, the Houston Texans, that Zeke could be a guy that they could pair. They have the, the young Damian Pierce there as somebody that they could use for a second back. And then another one, you know, that's the thing is that you see these situations and pretty much in every situation, it would be something similar to what he's been dealing with recently in Dallas of Cincinnati I've seen thrown out there. Well, Joe Mixon's their main guy, but do you need somebody that can come in and and that can block, that can pass catch, that can do some of those things? I've seen the Tampa Bay Buccaneers thrown out. They got rid of Leonard Fournette. They got Rashad White, who's waiting in the wings like Tony Pollard was. He'll be the one. But wherever right. he goes, Zeke, Zeke's going to be that secondary back. He won't be the prime back anymore. 
not saying he's good with that. I mean, he, I mean, that's basically was his role here last year. So I think, um, I think he said he had you know some time to adjust to it, and it was a little difficult at first, but then he he figured out a way to, way to to you know live with it. But yeah. I mean, that's that's the point of his career that he's at. And you know, if you're realistic, he he may be able to eke out another couple years. Uh, if he, you know, if he still enjoys the game and enjoys what it's going to do, and it could be a case, I say could be, where he could go somewhere, and in the right role, he could be pretty productive. Because why? He ain't gonna be carrying the ball but eight times a game. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So he'll be fresher, and then his body will be fresher, and all of that. And so there's perhaps a chance for him to thrive like that. But uh, you know, here's the other thing, and it's about the business of football. You know, we're also talking about a guy who hadn't played special teams since his freshman year at Ohio State. So, you know, backup running backs traditionally play special teams. And if you started back there, and you're not putting Zeke back there, then... We've got you talking like a robot all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's still there. Weird. Okay, you're normal again. Like, I, didn't, I haven't touched anything, and the shit just switched. Yeah, I don't know, man. You, yours is a weird one. That, that's all I know about it. Yours is a weird one. And I only use it 95% of the time for this. Like, you know, it never leaves the house unless we got to do the show when I'm out of time. So. Yeah, what can you do? It's one of those things, isn't it? Yes, sir. It is weird, though. It, it, it is. And I felt this way when, you know, they, they had to move on from Dez. Zeke was, I, I remember I, everybody was, and okay, I don't, you don't need to tweet at me. I wasn't. I didn't. I wanted them to take Jalen Ramsey. The bulk of people I know, including myself, were extremely excited when they drafted Zeke Elliott. Yes. And he was so productive so early on. It, it, it's a bittersweet feeling. You knew it was time. We, we've been telling you for months that they were going to have to do this. It's a business decision. You knew it was coming. You know, we played that audio. We said, listen to Steven. Listen to how Steven describes this about, hey, he's a great competitor. He's a great teammate. And then, hey, is Tyron Smith expected back next year? Yes. I mean, just the differences in it. You knew this was going to happen. I've been telling folks that for years. They tell you what's going to happen. You just have to listen. I mean, you really do. And so, yeah. Uh, Who was that they were talking about last year? And I said, Matt, if you asked the same question about Zach Martin, what would the answer be? Oh, absolutely he's here. I said, okay. So that's how we know that dude ain't going to be here. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, it's the nature of the beast, man. We know the position. We know the production. It really ain't no different than people knowing that if Mike McCarthy doesn't have a spectacular year next season, he's going to get fired. Because you can see how it's set up. And when you've been covering it for a minute or watching it intently for a minute, these things aren't really all that hard to see. They show themselves. Yeah, and there it is, man. But it it is still, I don't know, man. It's just a bittersweet thing, even though we knew it was coming. Yeah, that's because he's been a good player and he's been a good dude. And uh, you wished he had had some more success his last couple years, uh, you know, because, you know, it's personal for me because I'm a Buckeye and I watched him as a fan before he showed up here. But I hate that he had, a, what was it, 100 yards on his last 50 carries. And, you know, I try. I don't always succeed. But I really try to um, 
treat professional athletes, especially those who've been really successful, uh, with a modicum of, uh, of um, what's the word, respect when their time is at an end. Yeah. Like, that dude was literally the best in the league for about three years. And so now that injuries and age, especially at his position, have slowed him down and made him a shell of what he once was, there's no need to pile on and, you know, just rip him the way people rip him, whether it's people in the media, especially on radio, because they don't have to deal with people 99% of the time. Or, you know, fan base, right, just get rid of him, move on, and da-da-da-da. It's, uh, you know, again, even if I disagree with somebody that I don't like somebody, for the most part, if if they've been a normal person to me, then I try to treat them with a, a level of respect just because – it is hard as hell to be a professional athlete, bro. Yeah. I imagine. I mean, I, mean, I always tell the story. Those of you who have experienced it, if you've ever played one-on-one with the 12th man on your high school basketball team and you're just a regular player, then you already know, like, well, what must the 12th man on a college D1 team be like? And then, oh, my God, what must the 12th man in the NBA be like? And we saw that with uh, – this is a long exit. But we saw that with the Mavericks the other day, bro. Like, how good that these, everybody in the NBA, for the most part, back when they were in high school, were putting up, pick a number, 28 points a game yeah. or whatever. Well, who is that guy from Memphis who hadn't scored more than 15 points in a game all season, scored 17 in the fourth quarter against the Mavericks uh, and helped Memphis beat the Mavericks? And the only point is that guy is a nobody player in the NBA who's only playing because, like, five guys were hurt. Yeah. And it just shows you the talent level because on a given night, he can have a flashback to his high school days where he probably averaged 35 points a game somewhere. Something, man. But it, it, goodbye to Zeke. You know, I haven't felt sad about a player getting cut in a long time. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Like, I didn't feel sad when Dez got cut, mainly because we are in the middle of a spat then, and I was like, eh, it's whatever, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it wasn't a nasty spat, but it was like, eh, it's whatever. Yeah. Uh, but I haven't, you know, I haven't felt sad like ah, I wish it, I wish there was another way for a player in quite a while. Yeah, it, it's it's what it is. It's the business side of it. You know, I think it may be, man, because in the way the media is set up these days, it is harder than ever to create a real bond with any guys, mm. and so it's hard to uh, to have that kind of interaction on such a regular basis where you kind of develop a bond or a relationship is a better way to say it and so that when they leave you feel some sort of way that makes sense to me the other cowboys news and this happened more well we we didn't get a chance to talk about (laughs) it because it happened fairly quickly after we had been uh, on tuesday we had already recorded the podcast because we always record it the day before it releases and Tuesday evening, we found out that Leighton Vander Esch had agreed to a deal. And right. I got to tell you, man, love this deal. Two and yeah, a half yeah. or two years, $11 million, $5.5 million a year. Fantastic. They wanted to bring him back. They got him for what I think is is really good amount of money for what he does. And I got to tell you, so far, and I know it's not a lot, I love what the Cowboy, I love the Donovan Wilson deal. I loved the Leighton Vander Esch deal, and I absolutely loved the Stephon Gilmore trade. No, they've had, you know, they've had a, uh, to me, they've had a heck of an offseason so far. 
And they haven't even really done anything, but the moves they've done, re-signing two guys they needed to keep around, and the move for Gilmore, right now I've got the Cowboys with an A. Now that can change. We'll see what happens. I do think it's interesting as well. You know, they restructured Gallup. They restructured Dak and Zach. They are gaining some money on the cap because of releasing Zeke. They're still somewhere in the neighborhood over $20 million under the salary cap. I'm very curious to see... What, what they must have another move in mind somewhere that they're hoping to do. I think they have a, I think they have an offensive weapon move. I don't think that they're paying Odell Beckham Jr. $20 million a year. No. Um, they probably, if they can make it work, probably on a, you'd have to see the paperwork and see what it truly is. But, you know, maybe if they could, if they could get uh, Beckham Jr. for the same amount of money they got Gallup, or maybe that's why they lowered Gallup's figure, not just to create room, but to bring in a guy who makes about what he does for a year or two, be it Hopkins or be it uh, Beckham Jr. I'm trying to think now. Uh, I don't know. It, who's a better playmaker right now? Is it Beckham Jr. or is it Hopkins? I'm taking Hopkins all day right now. I mean, again, we've gone through that thing with what's his I'm face. Talking about just a playmaker. Yeah, I'm still taking Hopkins. Okay, I'm just I, I'm just checking. I, I don't I, have an opinion yet. Now, granted, I say that, and I was curious, so I went back and looked, and he hasn't played. We mentioned this the other day. He's only played 19 games out of the last possible 33 games. But didn't he have some kind of weird suspension? He did. Really he did this that. previous year. You know, but this is still a dude – he played nine games this past year, averaged seven catches for 80 yards a game. Yeah, but his quarterbacks blocked me on Twitter, so I really don't give a damn about him. Uh, you know, I don't think Kyler had the best year he's had. He hasn't. He hasn't. And, and that's, you know, when you look at Odell Beckham, the point being, Odell Beckham's last, here's his numbers from the last two seasons. Three catches for 46 a game, three catches for 38 a game. Hopkins just did seven for 80 a game. I'd much rather have DeAndre Hopkins than Odell Beckham Jr. Okay. Well, he had eight for more than 20 last year. Hopkins did. Eight of his, because he didn't catch that many passes, eight of his 64. That didn't seem too bad. Well, he caught 10 uh, more. What, you said he had 64 receptions? Yeah. So he had 20 more, 20 more catches than Odell did? Yeah. And he played in five less games? Let's look at 2020 when he was still a, a good player. I think that's when he had his injury. Oh, my God. One, two, three, four, five, six. In 2020, see, that's just two years ago. <laughs> he, had, uh, he had 1,400 yards receiving, but he had six catches of more than 40. And another one, two, three, four, five. Dude, that dude had ten of more than thirty. That's a that's a nice year right there. Yeah. Uh, not and that doesn't include the ones he had more than twenty, but he had a bunch of big plays that year. So that was two years ago. It's, so I don't know, man. Uh, I don't care who they get. Um, as long as that dude's a playmaker. And uh, you know I'm uh, I'm all about. I would love to add like. I would love to. I don't mind trading for one. I'm just trying to add them. Like I would add a dude in the draft, no matter who I got. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. Get back, get DeAndre Hopkins and go draft one in the first round. Yeah, okay. that's I, I'm in for that. <laughs> now, I mean, if and see, I do that, man, because now, now you have a talent across the top. All right, you got Lamb, you got whoever they traded for. Let's call it Hopkins. Then you got Gallup. Then you got the first round pick. You know, and now okay, now you got four. Now, in case you have some injuries, you're okay. You got some flexibility. And uh, they're also good about finding them later. So you can add another one to be a depth guy in the fifth or the sixth round. I mean, later. And then you can still go get a tight end in the second or third round. Yeah, there's plenty now, of now you've given Now you've given your boy some stuff to work with. Exactly. You can add some playmakers. You can do some things, which is the hope and what we wanted them to do all the way through. They also, of course, are keeping Tyron Smith around, and they restructured his contract and this is another thing that they did. So, and see, this is where it gets interesting because I forgot about them doing this earlier, or maybe this was oh, late no. last night or earlier this morning. They restructured Tyron Smith's contract, which freed up another almost $10 million in cap space. Right, right, right. So you're looking yeah. at, I, I believe that puts them somewhere around $35 million under the cap. Yeah, I think so. But, you know, you never know if they're, you know, maybe they're planning to sign somebody to a longer-term deal. Um but I think they've got dry powder, dry powder. And uh, they've got options now. They've got space and they've got options. And uh, they should be able to make something happen. And, uh, you know, the offseason's long, man. Uh, there's, no, there's no prize for getting things done first. It's about can you make your team better. And as, uh, as long as they can make them better, uh, they're doing all right. They also yeah. restructured the contract of Demarcus Lawrence, which freed up another $9 million in cap room. So as of this morning, they had $45 million in cap space. Now, I don't uh, know if that's incorporating in. I was trying to figure out if that incorporated in the new contracts that Wilson, Leighton Van Der Esch, and Gilmore got. But even then, if they did that, that's, I mean, you're still looking at, they've got a chunk of cap space. And, and that's where, to your point, are they going out to Reese? re-sign, extend, I don't know, C.D. Lamb, Micah Parsons, Dak again, whatever they, what, whatever it is, but also still have some money because, see, this is where it gets so frustrating. And we talked about this the other day. You can do what you want to do, restructuring contracts to create cap space and, and backload or front load or do whatever you want with these contracts if that's what they so choose to do. It just, it feels like there must be something out there they think that they can go after. It would, I mean... You know, we rag on them quite a bit, and sometimes they deserve it. But, dude, they, they aren't dumb. They know daggone well their, um, their offense is not good enough as currently constructed. And so they have got to get more weapons for, for uh, Dak. they got to get them on the outside. they got to be able to withstand injury. Um, and so, yeah, they, they got to know that they need a receiver in the first round or the second round, a tight end who's a real threat if you can find one in the second round because uh, it's like three or four guys who should go in the first or second round. And then, you know, man, I'm all for adding somebody. It's just a matter of who. Yeah, so they're – yeah, that's that's pretty that's pretty current and, uh, looking at their roster. That's pretty current as far as cap space. I mean, they got a chunk of change to work with if they so choose. I was going to say, the thing about the Tyron Smith move is, is – uh, I thought it was a good move because they got – they basically said Tyron – you haven't played much the last three years, so we don't want. Why don't you help us out? And if you play your normal set of games, you'll make all this money back. 
no big deal. And if you don't, we're protected a little bit, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so I thought it was good that they got him to buy into that with apparently little drama. And then two, um, you know, he's going to be good. Yeah, I mean, if he can go to – like in training camp, if he goes and works at right tackle, he's going to be good at right yeah. tackle. And, you know, it just gives you flexibility so that you don't have to rush Steele back. And, you know, Steele has to be the swing tackle for a year. I don't think he's going to care much because uh, – well, he will care because he's trying to get paid. And they put the second, ta- second round tender on him. But as any coach you've ever talked to says, these things seem to work themselves out. We shall see, and that's that's the news. And also, I saw a note uh, earlier this afternoon. They have agreed to two terms with C.J. Goodwin to bring him back on a one-year contract. I told you he was going to take the money. Yeah. If you offer it, I got you. He wants to be in Dallas, and he's going to stay. I like what they're doing so far. I'm very, very curious to see if, if there's another move. I mean, nobody saw the Stephon Gilmore thing coming, and, and I like it. I like what I'm seeing from these Dallas Cowboys, man. I'll try not to get overly excited. But can. They've, they've had a good week. Yeah. And right now, I'm thinking Super Bowl 2023. Okay. So you, 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 too much? Overboard? <laughs> yeah, too much. Come on. But it's okay. It's okay. It's too early, man. We're supposed that. to do this. Okay. Well, there you have it. <laughs> also, of course, as we roll forth and got a couple of other things to get into here, we want to tell you, as we always do, about Freeway Tire Shop. And again, if you're in the DFW area, I don't care where you're at. I, I don't, you're like, oh, I live in Allen. Oh, I don't know, Matt. I, I live, you know, over closer to Fort Worth. Okay. Well, when you drop your car off, do you worry that they're ripping you off? Do you worry that they're screwing with something that you didn't ask for? You're like, well, yeah, kind of. I, I do feel that way. Okay. Well, go to Freeway Tire Shop. Go to Freeway Tire Shop and you don't ever have to worry about leaving your vehicle again because JR and his crew, fair price, they stand behind their work, they make sure they get it right to what your expectations are, and the level of customer service will blow you away. Nah, man, JR is all about customer service, bro. Whether he's sending you a detailed invoice, how about this, or whether he's sending you a detailed uh, thing that says, hey, here's what it costs, estimate. Um, they take care of everything, man. But I really rock with them because you can trust them much like you trust your doctor. I mean, that's why you go to a doctor because you trust them. But you can trust them to diagnose what's wrong with your car. And I love this. You can diagnose them to you can trust them to use quality parts on your car because not everybody does. And we all know this. Then you can trust them to charge you a fair price. And how about this? You can actually trust this dude to stand behind his work. We all know everybody doesn't do that. So as I like to say, think about it. No, for real. Think about it. If your mechanic ain't doing these things, these four things, not three out of four, not two out of four, not one. If your mechanic isn't doing all four of these things on a regular basis, take your butt right up 35 North toward Denton. Get off at free at uh, Commonwealth. Go through the light. It's on the right. It's about five minutes from downtown. Uh, it's freeway tired. Tell me your boys from Jam Session sent you and you might get a hug. You might, you never know. You just never know. It's Freeway Tire Shop online. You can schedule an appointment, request a quote at freewaytireshop.com. Also, another thing is, and we've mentioned this from time to time, but one thing you can do, because Smokey John's Barbecue and Freeway Tire Shop are what, about five minutes apart, would you say? Yep. If that. So you could easily, if you so chose, you could swing by Freeway Tire Shop, tell JR, hey, I need this done. Drop your car off if you wanted to. He might say, oh, it'll take a little bit of time. I'll have it ready for you in an hour or so. You go, you know what? Great. I'm going to take an Uber and I'm going to roll over to Smokey John's Barbecue over there off Mockingbird. 
I'm going to enjoy the jam session bowl. And then if you eat the whole bowl, you may not even need to Uber back. You can just roll yourself down the street back over to Freeway Tire Shop because it's such a filling mill. I mean, we're talking your choice, a variety of meats that they offer, made from scratch, mashed potatoes, macaroni and cheese, whether you want the brisket, the sausage. I mean, man, Smokey John's, we mention this all the time. Smokey John's is the one barbecue place that I think of all the time when people go, well, what would I get there? Just just order the jam session bowl or just pick whatever off the menu because they they are elite across the board at whatever you're looking for. Nah, man. Smokey John's is fantastic. Uh, the food is great, and it doesn't matter whether you get any uh, jam session bowl or uh, you know any one of the other delicacies, you know, smoked wings on Wednesdays. It's all good, man. Sides. The uh, sweet potatoes, the macaroni and cheese, the greens, the green beans. I mean, it's all fantastic, man. You can just go close your eyes literally and point at the board and figure out something to eat. It'll be fantastic. And if if you're not at the restaurant or you're not in Dallas, guess what, man? You can actually go online and order it, man. You go to the marketplace, you get the rub or the sauce sent to you at the crib, wherever you are. Or you can drive up the road to H-E-B in Frisco and get it right off the shelf. <laughs> It's a good way to do it, man. It's Smokey John's Barbecue. It's just, it, it's one of those places where everything you try, you're going to enjoy. It's such a welcoming place. It's family owned and has been for years. It's a good experience. I think you're really going to enjoy it. So if you haven't had a chance to get the Jam Session Bowl and check out Smokey John's, make it happen at Smokey John's Barbecue. So let's take this trip around the block because you threw out something and you were saying that was it Amazon or Kindle is no longer offering newspapers? Yeah, man. It's just one more thing where newspapers have kind of disappeared, uh, you know, from our from our consciousness. It's And it's just weird, and it seems like they're going by the wayside. You know, this, this makes sense because we were going to talk about this the other day because, like, Birmingham yeah. has a daily newspaper, right? That's correct. So what do they do? They just they got a digital paper or something? Yes. Okay. Well, you know, it goes back to the cost of newsprint and how much, how expensive it became. And that kind of when newspaper problems started and then the digital age came where like my kids. Now, think about it. I've been a columnist in Dallas for, you know, or covering the Cowboys in Dallas in some way, shape or form for 20 years. Or 20 years at the Dallas Morning News, so to speak. And the point is, but my kid didn't grow up reading the newspaper. So if my kid didn't grow up reading the newspaper, what are the eyes of kids who weren't even exposed to the newspaper world grew up reading newspapers, man? It's going to be like the payphone uh, for uh, my kids, for my kids' kids. And the only thing is content will always exist. It's just a matter of where you put it at. Uh, but the weather, I, I'm kind of rambling here. But the other thing about newspapers is they're going to go away, bro. If they can't figure out how to sell advertising on their digital pages, and you know that's that's what digital advertisers are all trying to figure out how to how to make it all work. Yeah, at the end of the day, that's what it is. The Birmingham News had existed for almost 135 years, and they printed their last edition in print uh, back the final week of February. So it's been about three weeks ago, and. I got to be honest with you. I, I, if you had told me that it had died 30 years ago, I would have believed you. I, I've never, I don't know that I've personally seen a Birmingham newspaper because I use their digital operation. It's known as AL.com. I look at that every day and right. I, I read Dallas news all the time. I, 
And I grew up in the newspaper world. My family, I used to read the paper every morning when I was in high school. You know, my dad, I'd read the sports or something else. And even to this day, my parents, I don't think they get it every day. They get it on the weekends, I, I think. And when I'm at their house, I'll read it. And I, I love to read. But to me, I mean, I don't buy books anymore. I, I order everything digitally. And for me personally, reading digitally, like we do reading articles on the internet or whatever, it's no different than the newspaper. It's just what I prefer. It's quicker. It's easier. I, I don't know how any physical handheld newspaper will be of existence. Even like the New York Times, at some point, the generation coming along, that is going to go away. Well, they're all going to go away, bro, just because, um, you know, we're just so uh, so used to reading it on our various devices. And, you know, now you don't even have to wait for uh, 7 o'clock or 6.30 to roll around and pick it up off your front porch. You roll over at 3 in the morning, and if that's when you wake up, you click on it, and, and mm -hmm. off you go reading the day's events. Um, so, you know, I just, I remember, bro, really, I remember the conversation. It was with Bob Yates, who used to be the sports editor of the Dallas Morning News. And he saw, because he, it didn't quite end up this way, but he was close. He said, and so this had to be early, this was probably early 2000s. And he's like, we're trying to get ahead of the technology, man, because it, someday he pulled out his phone. He said, I don't know if it'll all be on a phone, but it'll be some little device that's not bigger than this that you can fold in half or something. And that's where it'll all be. But people aren't going to be reading the newspaper because the numbers have been dropping so steadily that it became clear that you weren't going to get them back. And so, no, nah, man, it's uh, I, I think the newspapers are going away. Uh, the subscriptions are down. Like the Dallas Morning News, at its height, man, the Dallas Morning News is probably 450,000 subscribers. And now it's probably, shoot, man, it's probably down to 100,000 or so. I'm surprised there's still that many, to be honest with and it you. May, I was going to say, it may not be that many. Because guess what? The people moving to town are not buying the Dallas Morning News. I mean, they might get the uh, digital subscription, but they aren't buying the paper. Yeah, I mean, I subscribe so I can read the sports articles. I pay whatever the – like, I don't subscribe to the full paper, but you can pay, like, a smaller price for the sports only. And that's – I subscribe to that for sports articles for DallasNews.com. Like, I, I, it just – it never even crosses my mind. And it's somewhat to your point – and we've talked about this before. I had a Sports Illustrated subscription for 20-something years, like 25 years before I finally canceled that a couple of years ago. And Sports Illustrated used to do 54 issues a year. It was weekly, and then they had two special editions. Then they dropped it down to every two weeks, and now it's once a month. Yeah, and it's not all that great. No, and, and, and I think what they tried to focus on was, okay, more in-depth stories and whatnot, but... The problem is becoming is that the generation now wants really quick, easy stuff. And man, it's to your point about why would I read something that I have to wait for tomorrow to read when I can go to whatever website right now and read it immediately? Exactly. Which is why I love Twitter, because it's immediate reaction. I see what's happening right now and what's happening. And the thing of it is, because I thought that this is what's intrigued me about podcasting live radio will never go away to some degree because when things happen people still want that live opportunity well sure. as as the 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 media expands 
And now it's not just podcasting, but if you're really into it and you have the money and the investors for it, you know, you can do live podcasts where you can jump on a multitude of social media platforms and basically broadcast live immediately. Right. And as that becomes more of the realm, I'll be curious to see where that goes. But that was one of those things. I mean, a lot of you that listen to the podcast, and this is something that I've always found very interesting. You know, you and I record right now three times a week. And there are times where I've heard from several of you that, you know, you don't get to listen to every single episode as we release them. There are times where you go back and you listen to something from, that we recorded three weeks ago, but you still enjoy it, despite the fact that that information may already be well known of. And that's to me is where the entertainment and the personality aspect comes down to where you have to offer something more than just what you're talking about. Yeah, you know, I do that with some podcasts, bro. Yeah. Uh, you know, sometimes I just want to hear how they discussed a, a subject. And so, like, if, uh, you know, like, I might go back and listen to some people next week who talked about Zeke this week just to see how they discussed the topic. Or, you know, if there's if there's baseball rules or if there's something hot going on. I just want to hear how other people talked about it. So, I, so once, I've, once I have a, some free time, uh, I might go back and listen to it. Or if I've kind of caught up on everything, I may go back and, and listen to um, some old podcasts, even if I kind of already know what's happened. Yeah, and I think that that's a lot more frequent than everybody realizes. But it comes down to full circle back to the stuff that we read. If you're going to give me something and it's not like a quick little, here's the information on Twitter. If you want me to subscribe to something and you want me to be okay with getting information that I've already seen somewhere else, then I need something more from you. That's one of the things I like about The Athletic because they go a lot more in depth on certain things. And I like a lot of the people, especially the Dallas writers for the most part, where I, I enjoy that. I enjoy some of the stories they post that is more than, okay, well, I can find this information. I don't need that. I need you to take me somewhere where nobody else has taken me. Yeah. I mean, it's like everybody's got to find their niche in the world, in the, in their in the sports world. And what do you give people that they can't get over it? Why do, you know, when I get people who come up to me all the time, relatively speaking, hey, I'm going to start a podcast. I say, okay, what kind of podcast you, you want to do? Just for fun? You want to make some money? No, I'd like to make some money on it. I'm going to do a sports podcast. Okay, first question is, why is somebody going to listen to you other than your friends? Why are they going to listen to you? What are you going to give them? Yeah. You know, and, you know, you that's not to say that you can be someone who's not a, quote, professional journalist. You can give them something. You could give them stats. Or you can be one of those film junkies who actually knows what they're talking about because you played high school and college football or something. So there are things you can bring and give them, but you have to give them something. If you think you're just going to be – Here's my opinion based off of nothing. Your friends and family will listen, but I don't know that anybody else will. Yeah, and and, and that's where down the rabbit hole you go, which is why you see a lot of the podcasts that are extraordinarily popular that everybody knows, a lot of the times those people had something else built in that they brought that audience along with them. Yeah. Joe Rogan's a great example of that. It's not like Joe Rogan was some dude doing a podcast in his dorm room and, and exploded i mean that dude has been all over the place he's very well known in the mixed martial arts world with the ufc tie-in and doing play-by-play for them he was yeah. a game a game show host for fear is fear factor or whatever that was called he's been a stand-up comedian has toured the country you know things like that where you look at these big time podcasts even pat mcafee which i always think is interesting because people are like man pat mcafee really worked his ass off i was like i'm sure he does i, I believe he does he also played in the nfl 
So right. I would imagine having some of the contacts he made while being a professional football player certainly didn't help when he started to go down the route of, hey, I want to start this. Hey, all these super famous people, Aaron Rodgers, I know you because I played in the league with you. Want to come on my podcast? Bro, that's how it works. It's a little bit different, man. I mean, that's, you know, things like that. It, it's, that's the world. That's just how it is. And so it's interesting. But newspapers are certainly newspapers. I'm, I feel this way about FM music radio, and I feel this way about newspapers and magazines. I'm stunned that they still exist as, and they're not as prominent as they once were, but they still have some level of prominence where you still see them places you go, and it blows my mind. Right. No, blows my uh, mind. It's kind of weird and bizarre, bro. Things have definitely changed. I thought, I was asked this question in 2001, I was flown up to New York because I won this National College Radio Award. And yeah, I, met, baby. I met this talk show radio convention, like Bill O'Reilly's there and Sean Hannity and Neil Bortz and all these big time talk radio people. And I was asked as, as the future of talk radio at the time, right? They go, where do you think radio will be in 20 years? And I remember telling them at the time, I said, I don't think that music radio will exist the way that we know it in 20 years. I think FM will start to become more for talk radio because opinion and personality people will always want. And I don't know that that ever goes away, that people always want to be entertained. They want to, they want to, especially in today's world. I mean, my God, nobody knew that we'd be as opinionated and against each other and want to listen to things that you hate as much as we do now. But man, the fact that they're like you can still go down the dial and FM music radio is still as prevalent as it as it was twenty years ago. I I would never have thought that. Nah, it's uh, the world's an interesting place, man, and things change quickly. Um, you know, and you know, the whole thing is to figure out how to how to find a stream and a rhythm and jump in. That was a very bad thing, but you know what I'm saying. It's more like trying to if you're if if your treadmill's running, how to hop on without losing your balance and start running because it's already going a certain direction. If yeah. you got it on and grab the pace, then you can go, and it can be a big time positive. Uh, you just got to find it, and if you can find it, man, success awaits you. Yeah, and you look at this. I mean, you know, mainstream TV is interesting as well because you think about think about how many people watch the finale of Mash which is the, like, not outside of the Super Bowl or the Olympics or something, is, is the number one most watched episode of television in America ever. And now you think about it, and I, I think it was 113 million, if I remember correctly, that watched the finale of MASH. Nobody on the, in America, there, there is, but you, you think about how finite your, your channels were back then. Now right. we've got thousands of channels all over the place, streaming options, all this type of stuff. I mean, if a TV show these days can pull in 10 million people, you can make millions of dollars and be rich and super famous and popular. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, the, the competition has never been greater than it is now. I mean, right. It's it, just, but that's where I, it, it, that's true. And then also I think it's really interesting that you can have these shows that may only get two or three million viewers and they get money, they get backing, and they're very popular and they can last for a couple of seasons. And it's, it's just really interesting because there's more competition. There's more out there to consume, but there's more people that live that are in existence now than there ever has been. Right. And, and it's just really interesting. And, and that's the thing about, 
You know, people say, oh, well, radio is dying. And then we get all these reports. I mean, shit, I do a radio show. I, I, I'm in, that's my <laughs> career. I, I see stuff behind the scenes that it, the public never sees. You know, we get all these numbers and whatnot of all these studies that companies pay to have done. And radio is, I mean, it dominates anything else that has, it, it's not even close. When they do all these surveys and this market research and stuff, right. po- podcasting, and maybe it's the tip of the iceberg that's coming, fair, but like right. all like streaming music and all these other things, it's not even in the, it, it, we are talking about the difference between Highland Park and some shack out in Puerto Rico or something. That's how far apart the world of radio is with these other options that are out there right now. They exist, right. you see them, you notice that they're out there, but as far as the effect with advertising dollars and revenue generation, it's not even, it's, it, it's the difference between AT&T Stadium and some rinky-dink high school football stadium for six-man football. You're like, yeah, you're both playing football. You're both in the in the game. I'm serious. Right, right, like right. we I, I we got a report earlier this year, and every time I see one of these, it blows my mind because the way people talk, it, it, it you wouldn't think it was still like that. But it is. It is, and that's because and and to go really down the rabbit hole here, especially like with the variety of streaming and podcasting that is out there. You talk about how many options there are. Well, everybody goes, well, I'll listen to this, this, and this. There's millions of them. And the reason why is it's, it's almost like acting. Like, I, I'll never forget when I was in college and we're coming up through it and I, I was a theater major. They were like, 98% of you will never make a living in acting. 98% of people who act cannot make a living doing it. It's the 2%. Right. And that's really kind of where we're going with all of this is, yeah, there's a million other options out there, but a lot of it is, oh, I wanted to do this because it seems fun or it's, it's something I always wanted to try. There's very few select percentage of it that is actually making a living doing that. True that, true that, true that. And that's where I think, I don't know, I, it, it is. It is really, really interesting. It's like news. I mean, there's a, you know, there's a blog for everything. There's a this, there's a that. I mean, all these organizations now have to figure out a way to, to do the thing where, okay, are wow. we going to credential everybody? Because 700 people want to, they're like, who are you with? Right. Oh, I, start, I started a, a college football website with my buddy. Okay, right. we've never heard of you before. Oh, we just need access. And it's like, okay, well, why are you different than the other 500 Alabama Crimson Tide websites that exist? Bro, that's, that's very, very true. I think, um, no, nah, man, it, it's true. It's just, uh, you know, I was talking to somebody about this a couple of days ago, and they were like, you know, most, you know, the thing that gives you a shot is, you said, most people do these podcasts, and they're trying to cast this big net and grab all these people. And really, you need to make it the more narrower, the narrower it is, the better. You know, I do my podcast on Call of Duty. I'm not interested in Madden and 2K and everything else. And then it's a smaller audience. But you can live with a smaller audience if, if that smaller audience listens to nobody but you. Yeah, see, and that's kind of like back when I was kind of, I was making that point about the idea of you can make money and you can actually, like, are you going to be rich and famous? You, not on the level that I think a lot of people dream about when they start thinking about going down certain avenues. But the reality of it is you can make a living and do something. You know, I think about this all the time with musicians. You don't have to be the who or Fleetwood Mac. Right. You can be somebody who tours around that has a a small fan base that's passionate about you and be very relevant and make a living doing that. 
even if I go in up to 100 people and 97 of them have never heard of you. No, it's for real, bro. I mean, 1% of a million is still a chunk of change. Yes, it is. <laughs> if you can figure out how to get it, let us know. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of where it comes down to that whole idea of if you've got something, I mean, think about this. If you wanted a million people to listen to you, but only 10,000 people listen to you, well, those 10,000 people, that may very well be enough for you to have a nice chunk of change of doing something if they're all actively engaged in either reading your work, listening to you, watching your show, whatever the case may be, based on, I mean, it all comes back to the overhead of how much it costs for you to be relevant. No, that's exactly right, man. Um, you know, it, a lot of things work like that. You just have to figure out what you're trying to accomplish and figure out what, uh, you know, you if you just, as I like to say, man, if you just go off with the intentions of doing the best work you can do on a very consistent basis, right? if you have the talent, if you're doing it good and you're doing it consistently and you have talent, at some point somebody will see it and it'll go to whatever level it's supposed to go to. Yeah. But you got, but you got to be good, okay? You got to have, and you got to do it consistently. If you can manage that, which is probably, you know, the secret of life. Anything you do well and do consistently, you have success at. Sure, man. And a lot of that is just timing and situation. I mean, that's, I've had several people, every so often somebody that is in Dallas or whatnot will send me a message or whatnot. I'm like, man, I can't believe you left Dallas. You know, you got to come back and be on the ticket again or something. I'm like, I'm, and do what? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, they don't have an opportunity for me to do what I want to do on the ticket, which is why I left DFW and came to Birmingham because I get to do what I want to do every day and make an actual full living doing this full time. Bro. And, and I mean, that's the reality of it is I was willing to go somewhere else to do what I want to do and what I'm passionate about. Yes, I would love to be on the ticket and, and I'm from Dallas. I grew up there. I think, it, of course, that would be awesome. But, you know, that, that's not sometimes it's just what it is. And so I think right. so many people limit themselves by saying, oh, I really, really want to do this, but only if it's at this place. Well, yeah. You know, you just, I mean, it's how bad do you want it? What are right. you willing to do to go get it? You know, I, I really, really want to do this or I want to do that. Okay, well, we have this opportunity for you over here, but it's four states away. Oh, well, I don't want to do that. Well, I mean, you either really, really want to do this thing or you don't. Right. I mean, a lot of that depends. I was... Uh, you know, you, you run into that situation, especially when you're talking about people, you know, because I teach a class at SMU, most of them are in TV. It's like you can expect your first job to be in Helena, Montana or Great Falls, Montana or yeah. Grand Junction, Colorado. But you ain't got to stay there long, but you're probably going to have to go. Yep. And, uh, you know, spend a year there, no more than two. And just, you know, just consider it, you know, part of your extended college or whatever. But you're probably going to have to do that to end up in Dallas or Boston or New York or LA at some point. Yeah, there's just, it, there's a lot of different paths. And, and I think a lot of the times that people, because of the stuff that's outside of your control, it, it, it negatively alters what you wanted to do because you weren't willing to cast a wider net. And I think, I mean, to me personally, and I'm not trying to offend anybody here, but a lot of that you know, it goes back to how, what we're talking about. Like, how bad did you want that thing? 
Because you're yeah. like, well, I, no, 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 I really, really wanted to do it, but I didn't want to go over there. Well, then to me, you didn't really, really want to do it. You wanted to, you really wanted to do it if it fit the parameters of what you were willing to do. When this other thing over here is telling you, hey, man, you can do this, but I don't give a shit what your parameters are. Yeah. Um, those are, those are hard choices that folks got to make yep. at, at various times. The compromises on what you're good with living with. Yeah, but you know, man, I asked somebody, I asked the people in my class this, or I told them to it, and I've told it to a couple of groups I've spoken to over the last couple of months, is that, you know, you have to, uh, you got to look at yourself, have a private conversation with yourself and decide where you want to be average, you want to be good, you want to be great. Because the, the, the price is different for all of those. And, uh, and, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with being average if that's what you choose to be. And you're comfortable with the lifestyle that that produces for you. Yeah, there's, there, there's nothing wrong with any of it. <laughs> like if you, no, no, it's just all about what you choose. And so, but you got to make a choice because if not, you end up to me in a lot of cases jealous, envious, hating on other people, not fully understanding that they were committed to being, you know, great. And maybe they didn't end up great, but maybe they ended up at you know rung eight instead of rung ten. But that's still a lot better than than you know, the other wrongs. Man, what an interesting conversation that turned into. Yeah, who knew? All because <laughs> of newspapers. <laughs> oh, good for us, man. Good for us. So I wanted to wrap this up. The NCAA tournament underway, which is always just so much fun. I, I These two days, I'm a huge fan of the first two days where there's 16 games on each day. You never know what you're going to see. And man... Again, we're about halfway through day one as we record this. And so we don't really know a lot of the results as only four games have finished so far. But one of those was the 13 seed Furman with the upset over number four, Virginia. I had picked that upset and the way it went down. I mean, only in the NCAA tournament does a game wrap up the way that game wrapped up. (laughs) I mean, Virginia has the lead. They're up by two. There's just a few seconds left in the game. Furman double teams the inbounds pass, and the dude trying to get the ball inbound for Virginia freaks out and just throws the ball across half court where Furman easily, the Furman dude just catches it, immediately passes to his teammate who's wide open for a three that he drains with two seconds left. Dude, I I, I laughed at so many different levels uh, because... I mean, I'm just speaking for me, but, you know, I ain't got no use for uh, Virginia and that old school 1930 basketball that they play. So anytime they can get eliminated, I think it's been a good day. Yeah. Um, you know, but and then, you know, you also like to see the upsets and, uh, you know, see who is, uh, you know, who has wrecked the tournament for somebody. But, you know, I, first off, I didn't I was shocked the score was that close anyway when I when I peeked at it. And then to see how it went down, uh, just like you said, like we're talking about, you know, this team that's supposed to be fundamentally sound is known for being fundamentally sound. And then they they come up and they can't even beat the press at the end of a game, something that they've probably worked on, you know, 10,000 hours uh, every four years. So it was odd that a team like Virginia would lose on the, on a play like that. But that's what happens with pressure, bro. Yeah, that is exactly what happens. And I remember thinking when he made that play, I was like, man, this dude's been playing basketball his entire life. 
and he knows not to make that type of a decision and, and all that type of thing. And at the end of it, he just, <laughs> he freaked out. And when he freaked out, it cost his team a game. And now Virginia's season is over. But, you know, again, I had picked Furman because there are three things that you look for. The anatomy of an upset type of thing. You need right. a team that's high risk, high reward like Furman that plays a little bit of a faster pace that shoots a lot of threes and is good rebounding team. And Furman is all of those things. They're very good on the offensive glass. Virginia was the, and this is, you want those in the team that you, the lower seeded team, and you want the higher seeded team to be a slow tempo team because teams like in Alabama who's showing this, teams that play faster tempo create more possessions for themselves. And over more possessions, the more talented team is going to separate. Right. So if you don't have a lot of possessions, even if you're the better team, you don't have as much of an opportunity to separate, which is why Virginia has been a Virginia was the one seed that lost to the 16 seed a few years ago because they play. There's 363 teams in Division One basketball. Virginia played at the 360th pace. Wow. Very but, slow team, which gave Furman the opportunity to hang around. You know, it's really like saying um, it's like one of those football teams that runs the ball all the time and if they score in touchdowns it's fine but yeah. if they don't and they're kicking field goals or they're having turnovers they've kept you in the game because they've shortened the game and they've given you a chance to win it at the end yeah and so when Furman goes out and hits 35 percent of their threes which they did in this game it becomes the great equalizer and that's why a lot of people picked the the, the college of Charleston to upset San Diego State we'll see if that happens you know, there's some other upsets that are out there where you look at it and go, okay, well, the low-seeded team shoots a ton of threes. If they hit 35% of those, this other team plays so damn slow that it's going to equalize the possessions a little bit, and you're going to have these games go right down to the end. Yeah, but that's part of the tournament, man. Uh, you know, styles make fights. They make football games. They make basketball games. They make everything. And uh, Virginia style, if you don't get bored and go to sleep while playing against them, you'll be in the game. Yeah, but the tournament, I, it's, I'm a fan. I, I think it would be cool. I'm really hoping that Texas and Texas A&M win because if they do, they'll play each other in the second round, which would be really neat. We'll see. The, the games, there's first-round action this weekend here in Birmingham. There's a lot of people here because Alabama and Auburn were slotted to play in Birmingham. The Houston contingent is here. There's a lot of people here I've seen rolling around in that ugly Houston red, and Iowa had a good turnout. So I don't know. We'll see. It's I enjoy the first weekend very much. I'm hoping on Saturday that Texas, like I said, Texas and A&M, if they play on Saturday against each other, I'm definitely going somewhere to watch that game. I think it'd be a lot of fun. And I don't know. I've only I've only done it one time in my life. And this is a few years back where I took a day off and I went with a friend and we basically hung out at a, at a bar and drank beer and watched these games pretty much for 10 hours. Yeah, I'm not sure that that's a bad thing to do. You should probably do that once in your life. Yeah, and it, I enjoyed it. I couldn't do it anymore just because I, I just don't, you know. Peop, I talk about beer so much, and I love beer so much. People think I drink all the time. I, I really don't drink much anymore at all. Maybe on Saturday I do. I'll have a few. But outside of that, I, I rarely drink during the week anymore. And I just, you know, when you're, as you get older, you, the way you live your life and the things you can handle and do obviously change. Oh, hell. We all know that. I mean, uh oh. You know robot what? Jacques is back. You know what, man? What has Jacques done to turn himself into a robot? He done anything. To and turn now he's back. Into... He sounds normal. 
He hasn't done anything to turn himself into a robot. Yet. Isn't that weird? Bro. I have no words, no answers, no nothing. <laughs> you going to watch any of this? Or you, do you get into the tournament at all since Ohio State's not in it? Um, you know, the tournament's probably gone the way of baseball for me. Yeah. I used to follow it uh, when we had the daily radio show. You have to follow it just because you're yeah. talking about it. And so it makes more sense. But I don't like college basketball. Like, I don't even follow my boys that much. I can't, you know, put it like this. I probably, I can't even name you a starter on Ohio State's basketball team. I mean, I know that they were 16 and 18. I know they had a nice run in the tournament. But they don't have any, I don't follow, I haven't watched a single game. Uh, And I don't like college basketball because why? And we've talked about this numerous times over the years. I like greatness. I like to watch the best guys. Mm-hmm. Best guys are in the NBA. Used to be the best guys were in college. Or, you know, you had really good guys in college who were on their way to the NBA. Now, there's like nobody who's any good who plays in college. They either go straight to the NBA, it seems like, or they play a year. And by the time you figure out who they are, it's they've, they've gone or they're in Europe or they're in the G League or they're somewhere. They're not in college basketball. And the college game to me is just not the, as exciting as a pro game. And so, that's whatever time I have, I save it. I save it for uh, for the NBA. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, obviously, with what I do, I watch a lot of college basketball, and you know, the tournament is always interesting to me. I, I, I at this point, I, I just don't have the time. I, mean, I got a busy day. I'm hosting trivia tonight at a local brewery and stuff. So, you know, I, I'll flip it over where I don't want to watch whole games of teams I don't care about anymore. But I'll flip it over and, and keep. Like, oh, my God, this is about to happen. There's two minutes left, and I'll watch, like, the last few minutes or whatever. Okay, yeah, I like to do that. You know, I, and I, I mean, I'll do that some over the next day or two. Yeah, which is fun because, I mean, I saw the Furman thing happen live, but we were doing the show today. They always have us at Twin Peaks every year to do the show out there, first day of the tournament, and we'll have it on in the studio tomorrow and stuff like that. I mean, you and I, when we were doing the show, we went out to that place, the food hall there off of Legacy. That was really cool, and – it's right. fun. I think if you got a few friends and you, you try to catch some of the games in the afternoon and all that, it's, it can be a lot of fun. I might do that tomorrow afternoon. We'll see. Sound like a winner. And people are always amazed, though, because I, I, I've gotten to a point where I, I just, like I went at Twin Peaks today. I was like, man, you know, I don't think they're going to have anything that I really feel like eating. And so I brought my turkey and cheese. <laughs> And at, at one o'clock, I pull it out and a couple of the guys from the station were there and they just look at me, they go, you, you, seriously? And I was like, what? This is what I eat for lunch. <laughs> They're like, okay. And then, wow. you know, I've, I've done that because we'll do remotes out for my show's noon to two. So they'll have us at different places. You know, it's lunchtime. And a lot right. of the times on Fridays when we're out, the, like the people at the establishment be like, hey, what can we get you? Anything you want? You know, we got this and this and I hate, like, I'm always trying to be like, oh, man. I'm like, you know, I'm not really that hungry because I don't want to eat a lot of the times the food that some of these places offer. Right. But also, I always have, like, a really intense workout on Friday afternoon to start my weekend off right, and I don't want to eat and then go work out. So I try to explain that to people, and they're like, what? I'm like, look, it's just how I am. I don't know what to tell you. No, hey, man, you're very consistent, so... I was like, you know, if it was Saturday, sure, I would, I would have your chicken finger thing or whatever, but I, I don't want to eat that heavy right now. I'm, I'm just not a big eater during the day. I, I, thanks for your offer. And then they think I'm, a, you know, they look at you and I'm like, oh, I don't know what to tell you. Nah, man, it just is what it is. You know, sometimes you, you just got to keep it like that because 
your goals and what you like to do doesn't doesn't match up with yeah. somebody else. You just got to be who you are. Hell yeah. And if you're who you are, then I like you. <laughs> and that, my friends, is a Jam Session podcast. Great stuff. We will be back for you on Monday. We'll see what happens over the course of the weekend. You never know with the wild NFL, all that stuff. Maybe Aaron Rodgers will finally get traded to the Jets. Dive into that a little bit. See what happens in the NCAA tournament. You guys have a great weekend. Enjoy it. St. Patrick's Day is Friday. Everybody's listening to this on St. Patrick's Day. And if it wasn't going to be a massive stormy monsoon, I was hoping to get out and wear my kilt and my, all my St. Patrick's Day garb, but I'm going to have to wait till Saturday, I think, for that. Oh, so sad. It is Before sad. You, everybody likes to go free balling. Yeah, but it's going to be it's going to be pouring <laughs> rain here for pretty much all day tomorrow. So probably not getting out much. But that being said, have a great weekend. We'll talk soon. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.